0: How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Episode 30 coming at y'all. It should be 31, but this past weekend, we did not uh, get around to recording our football episode like we normally have with our revised schedule. Um, Family was in town this weekend and didn't get around to it, as we are pretty busy. Um, But nonetheless, we're back here with our normal Tuesday episode, where we're discussing golf, MLB, and the nba along with wrapping it up with our ice bath Uh, so not a whole lot has been going on since we last recorded this normally our quicker episode uh, but this upcoming friday we will have a football episode where we will recap our picks that we made last week even though we didn't talk about them and then also with injury news from the past few weeks but getting into this episode here um, starting it off with golf as we normally do and to kick off the PGA Tour season this past weekend, we had the Fortinet Championship at the Silver Rider Resort and Spa North Course, which is in Napa, California. Uh, pretty well-known course. A lot of players like it, uh, the greens especially. And Max Homa won the event for the second consecutive season. Uh, really good showing from him. And he finished at 16 under and took home 1.44 mil. Uh, Second place went to Danny Willett from England, and he finished at 15-under. So pretty close at the top. There were a few other people that finished at 14-under as well. So pretty crowded there. Uh, Crazy final hole. Willett and Homa were the final pairing, and Willett went into the par 5 18th hole at 16-under, and Homa went into the hole at 15-under. And Willett hit the green in three, and Homa came up short of the green after three shots and basically needed to chip in to have any shot of winning the event. Uh, after three shots, Willett was four feet from the hole and a four-foot putt away from winning the event. And, you know, Homa needed to chip in, like I said, and he did just that. He chipped in from about 20 yards away or so. A really solid shot, obviously, uh, and it forced Willett to make his four-foot putt to win the event. Had he missed the putt, he would likely tap in and send it to a playoff. And neither of those scenarios ended up happening as Willett three putted from four feet, including two brutal lip outs. And Homa ended up winning the event on the last hole by one shot. So Homa birdied the event by chipping in on his fourth shot. And Willett bogeyed it by three putting. Uh, So they flipped spots there on the leaderboard and the playoff was not needed. Um, So crazy event there to kick off the season. But, you know, we had about a month off season for golf, which isn't very long. Right back to it here with the 45 weeks or so that we have the PGA Tour uh, in season. But starting this Thursday, uh, it's not a part of the PGA Tour season, the President's Cup. It is played every other year, alternating with the Ryder Cup. And the biennial event will be played at the Par 71 Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. It will be an international versus United States format, and it will begin at 12.05 PM this Thursday. Uh, The first team to 15 and a half points wins as the event is out of 30 points. Uh, so I know when they had the Ryder Cup last year, the U.S. dominated pretty handily. It's um, just a really fun event to watch. The crowd is a lot more into it and stuff like that. So President's Cup is a little bit different. Uh, it's not quite as uh, big as a Ryder Cup, but nonetheless, a big deal uh, between the international and United States. And then to wrap up the golf, we had the Live Golf Invitational in Chicago this past weekend. And uh, to no one's surprise, Cam Smith won the event, taking home 4.5 mil. Uh, he's been scorching this past year, has been the hottest golfer in the world, and he won the event at 13 under, the three-round event in which he shot 66, 68, and 69, the only golfer to shoot under 70 all three rounds. Uh, Dustin Johnson came in a tie for second, and Bryson DeChambeau came in eighth, um, Yeah. A lot of big name guys up there. Phil Mickelson came in eighth as well. Uh, They both finished at tied for six tied at six under. So yeah. Um, you know, live golf's kind of wrapping up their season here soon as they only have a few more events before the finale on October 27th and PGA tour is just getting started. So plenty of golf to talk about and an exciting event coming up this weekend.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. Just have the golf season back in swing and, um, looking forward to getting the PGA tour events going and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So with that, we are going to continue on here to the MLB standings update in which we're going to talk about these six divisions across baseball. And also this week uh, we are going to include the AL and NL wildcard standings talking about all the teams that are remaining. We already have 11 teams eliminated from playoff contention this year, uh, including the angels. And really disappointing seasons from, you know, obviously if you're already eliminated, had a pretty disappointing season, but I know the Angels were one of the teams that were supposed to kind of start to turn things around this season. And they really just were stuck in their ways this year as they were the past five years or so and couldn't get over the hump. I know they were dealing with some injuries to Mike Trout, uh, you know, but if both of them were healthy the whole year, I still don't know if they make the playoffs just with how competitive the AL has been this year with the wild card. We're going to start here with AL East though. Um, So in fifth, I mean, the rankings have been pretty much the same for the past few months. Red Sox are in the cellar at 71 and 75, 17 back of the Yankees. Orioles are in fourth at 76 and 70, 12 back. I've uh, Kind of not been playing too well as of late. The Rays are in third at 82 and 65, and they are six and a half back. The Blue Jays are in second at 83 and 64, five and a half back. They've been playing really well recently. Then in first by a few games are the Yankees still. Uh, they kind of found their footing after, you know, a big slump for a while there as they're 30 games over 500 at 88 and 58.
1: Yeah, the Yankees are kind of still clinging that lead. I think they've been, you know, beneficiaries of some not great baseball the last couple weeks from the Blue Jays and Rays. They've both kind of cooled off. Um, the rest of the villages honestly kind of cooled off. So um know going to come up with everybody. I think, you know, the Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, Hall, Came out really hot from the all-star break. Um, everyone's since cooled off, but um, definitely probably the most competitive division in baseball, probably the most all-around, best, all-around, well-rounded division in baseball. Um, so not, not not super shocking, though. We're kind of getting a tight race down the end here and then with the Blue Jays and the Yankees and the Rays. And obviously the Wild race racer is going to feature, you know, at least two of these teams, if not three with the Orioles, uh, making a late push. So definitely a division to keep an eye on the rest of the way. Get to the AL Central here. The Royals are 20 or the, sorry, the Tigers 24 games back and the Royals are 22 games back, both eliminated from the playoffs at this point. So we won't to mention their records. Um twins are 73, and 74, and seven games back. The White Sox, who've been, you know, have stayed hot in the past month or so, uh, 76 and 71 and four games back. And the Guardians are 80 and 67, uh, still clinging to the lead in that division. Twins have kind of fallen off lately, dropped below five hundred, and um, it's really the Guardians and the White Sox at the top of the pack here. Going to be interesting to see how that division kind of shakes out at the end of the year, as it looks like whichever team doesn't win the division is not going to get into the playoffs, um, into a wild card spot. So another one to watch uh, to the top down the stretch.
0: Yeah, it's a kind of the uh, a mediocre division in baseball, as the NL Central is as well uh, for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, the three teams remaining in that division are teams that could all get hot at any moment. And, obviously, with about 15 games left in the season, you never know what can happen. And the White Sox are definitely a team, you know, right there with the Orioles that could sneak in to that final wild card spot, um, you know, barring a collapse from the Rays. Or Mariners, I think the Blue Days have pretty much locked up a spot. Um, you know, obviously they could still collapse, but highly unlikely as those three have been the teams fielding the AL wild card spots for a few months now. Um, but it looks like the Guardians are going to win the division. Uh, I don't see them doing much in the playoffs. But nonetheless, the White Sox could, could make a push here four games back with 15 to go and still, you know, still win the division. Uh, Guardians maybe be a wild card. Don't know. Still a lot of movement that could be had. Uh, we're going to round out the AL here with the AL West. Uh, we have the Athletics at 43 and a half back eliminated. Rangers at 33 back who were eliminated. The Angels at 32 and a half back. Eliminated as well. uh, Three teams had really disappointing seasons, had promising off-seasons outside of the athletics, and, you know, didn't really get much done during the regular season. The Rangers went through a coaching change uh, about a month ago, and then the athletics hadn't really had anything the whole season. Angels, obviously, with two stars on the roster, uh, couldn't make much happen with just dealing with injuries and inconsistent play uh, across the roster. And then and second, we have the Mariners at 81 and 65, 15 back of the Astros. Uh, Mariners have played pretty consistent, you know, this last two-thirds of the season. Uh, they played pretty well, especially after the All-Star break. And it looks like they're going to have a wild-card spot, not for sure yet, uh, but it looks like it. And then uh, the team that just clinched the division, the Houston Astros at 97 and 55, also with the second-best record in baseball. A really solid season from them played well, kept some of their pieces, um, and also brought in new ones and has been pretty seamless for them. They've played really well today and, or really well this season and expect them to make some noise in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And like you said, this, uh, division that everyone thought would be a little bit better this year. Um, you know, angels and Rangers are expected to have better much better years than they did. And, you know, obviously the athletics in a rebuild, but, um, Another disappointing season from the Angels. I think you mentioned it at the top here in this segment. Um, you know, they, we've been hearing for forever now that you know this is the year the Angels turn it around. This is the year. This is the year. This is the year, and it's never been the year. Um, they have two best players in all of baseball. Or I guess two of the three best players in all of baseball. Um, and, they've, you know, arguably the two biggest stars in all of baseball and, uh, you know, on that on that roster, and Shelly Ohtani and Mike Trout. So it's just – it's disappointing that those two guys, are their talents are being wasted. You know, I think Otani's definitely gone uh, after next season when he's a free agent if he doesn't get dealt beforehand. I think, you know, if, you're, if we're sitting here, uh, you know, late July, same position we were in last – this the next year as we were in this year where the Angels are not making the playoffs, they look really bad. I think Ohtani gets dealt. I mean, it may even be a similar situation – The Red Sox are with Mookie Betts um, in in the offseason of 2019 going into 2020, where you know they kind of everyone kind of knew they were going to trade him and they didn't want him there, he wasn't gonna be back the year after and um, they didn't want to be a part of the rebuild there and they didn't really want to pay him either. So, um, you know, he got traded to the Dodgers in the offseason. I'm not saying Otani goes to the Dodgers, but I think we could see a similar situation play out where he gets dealt to another team. Um, during the offseason, if not at the deadline next year. But um, we'll kind of get into the National League here. I think hit the nail on the head with the, with the Mariners and Astros as two teams that could definitely make some noise in the playoffs. Astros certainly looking like the favorites coming out of the American League. Um, we'll get to the, the National League here and get to the National League East. Started off with the Nationals at 42 games back, already eliminated from the plus. They were the first team eliminated from the playoffs, actually, um, just with the National League wildcard teams having a better record at the top. Uh, The Marlins are 32 and a half games back and are also eliminated from the playoffs. Philadelphia Phillies sit at 80 and 66 on our in-the-wild card hunt at 12 and a half games back. The Braves are 92 and 55 at one game back from the Mets. And the New York Mets are 95 and 55 and are currently, uh, you know, have the third best record in baseball, have clinched their playoff berth, actually clinched last night, and currently hold the lead in the division. Again, whether that sticks or not is to be determined, I think – it's going to be a, a tight win down the stretch in the L in the in the NL East rather um, between two really good ball clubs. I think they're going to be tough for no matter who no matter who sees them uh, in the divisional round if they if they can get out of the wild card round. So definitely looking looking forward to watch that race as we get closer to the stretch here or to the, towards the end of the year here um, in the NL East.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good division throughout the whole season. Uh, those top three teams have played really strong, really consistent, and uh, they find themselves in the thick of it right now. Braves have all but clinched a wild card spot. Um, we're going to move on here to the NL Central. Uh, you know, kind of a division where every team had their slump and their hot streak. Um, you know, the Cardinals have been hot for a little bit now. For the rest of the division, not playing too bad, uh, with the exception of a couple of teams here. Uh, the Pirates, 31 and a half back, were eliminated. The Reds, at 28 and a half back, were also eliminated. And the Cubs at 24-and-a-half back were eliminated. Um, we have the Brewers in second at 78 and 69 uh, eight and a half back. And they're right in the thick of it right now, fighting for a wild-card spot. Uh, and then at number one, we have the Cardinals, who have almost clinched the division at 87-and-61, a really strong play both offensively and defensively uh, for the Cardinals over the home stretch of the season. And, you know, two teams right there that we should see in the playoffs. And I think they can both, both, they both have capabilities of making some noise.
1: Yeah. I think both teams here, um, you know, if the Brewers can get into the, get into the wild card and make the playoffs, I think they certainly have the pitching at the top to make it work. If they can kind of turn it on, I know they've had, a, you know, an off year um, Brandon Woodruff, certainly. And Corbin Burns not been the same pitcher he was last year for the, you know, the latter half of the season here, but certainly a team that has the talent um, and the makeup to make, to make their make themselves a postseason run. the Cardinals have just been, a really solid baseball team all year. Um, they haven't wavered really. They had their cold stretch early. Um, they really, like I said, they haven't wavered much late in the year. So certainly a team that can make some noise always sneaky. I think, um, you know, prior to this year, there a lot of the talents been overlooked. Obviously you have Goldie who's probably going to win the MVP and, and Arenado, who who's had a great year and, you know, has one of the best wars in baseball. So, um, you know, two guys that are finally getting their love and, and their due, but, um, just an all-around really solid baseball team. I think the, Jordan Montgomery acquisition has been huge for them as well. I think that's been an overlooked move that they made at the deadline we get to get the starting pitching some help there. And he's been, he's been solid since he got St. Louis. So definitely a team that can make a run, like you said. And we'll get to the National League West here to wrap up the division standings with the Rockies who are 38 and a half games back and already eliminated from the playoffs. Diamondbacks, who are 60 68 and 79 and 34 and a half games back. Uh, I think they can, I think that if they, they have a doubleheader against the Dodgers tonight, if they lose both, I think they're eliminated from the playoffs. Um so soon to be eliminated regardless. The Giants are 70 and 77 and 32 and a half games back. Um, barely still in the wild guard hunt, but again, another team that should be eliminated pretty soon. Uh, the Padres are 81 and 66 and 21 and a half games back. And the Dodgers sitting 102 and 44, have clinched the division, have the best record in baseball, and um, will likely clinch home field advantage throughout the NL, the NL, through the NLCS so they can get there um, pretty soon. I think within the next, you know, four four to six games they should clinch that if they can keep you know winning a couple games here and there um surprising to see this division kind of get be so lopsided this year obviously you, you didn't expect the Rockies and Diamondbacks to do much this year but the Giants at 70 and 77 seven below 500 has been um certainly surprising um obviously the Dodgers winning 102 games this early isn't isn't you know expected but they were I think they the expectation was that they would be you know one of the best three teams in baseball and potentially had the best record in baseball And the Padres have had this monumental slump. I believe Juan Soto is what like one or one or two of his last like 50 plus at-bats. It's one of the worst slumps we've ever ever seen from anybody, regardless of how good they are. Um, Since he got to the Padres, he's been just not been himself at all. Um, Same goes for Josh Hader, who they acquired from the Brewers. Um, Even goes for Josh Bell. Just uh, the Padres just made, not necessarily the wrong moves, but the guys they acquired just really haven't done um, their part per se uh, since they got there. So it's been a tough year for them, obviously, missing Tatis all year with the injury and then the suspension. So, um, you know, been been an interesting kind of division storyline to follow throughout the year, but, um, you know, ultimately been dominated by the Dodgers in their um, historic, you know, post-All-Star break mark.
0: Yeah, I know. A division with a wide range of records, uh, probably the most spaced out in terms of uh games up and you know games that teams are apart from each other you know you have the rockies and d-backs you haven't played great the giants have been slumping uh, as those three teams are on the brink of elimination uh in the rockies case they're already eliminated uh, but yeah the pa- padres you know they're still 15 over 500 which obviously isn't bad but you know with injuries and suspensions um and slumps they could have been a lot better and i think next year they bounce back uh, but you never know. And then the Dodgers have played pretty consistent all season. Uh, clinched division and likely going to make some noise in the playoffs as well. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for our standings updates. We're now going to get into the wild card and just give a brief update. I got the A.L., you got the NL. Um, A.L. has a few more teams than the NL as it's a little bit more competitive in, for the wild card game or wild card seeds. The Red Sox are 10 back of that final wild card spot. The Twins are eight and a half back. The White Sox are five and a half back. The Orioles are five back, and the Mariners hold the third spot. Uh, the Rays are game, a half game up on the Mariners, holding the second spot. And the Blue Jays are a game and a half up on the Mariners, holding the first spot. Um, so all pretty close. Anything can happen. You know, all three of those teams could lose their playoff spot. Very unlikely, but it could happen. And – you know, we have four teams right there uh fighting for the final spot. So never know what can happen. It'll probably come down to the final few games.
1: Yeah, I think I think you hit it now in the head. It's gonna be a much more competitive American league kind of race towards the wild card with you know the only team that's the lowest team in the standings at 10 games back. And then it goes to eight and a half. So um just a wider range of teams here. I think you're gonna see a little more competition at the top here as well. Um we'll get a national league wild card. Uh Diamondbacks are 12 and a half back and the Giants are 10 and a half back. Two teams that are both soon to be eliminated with only, you know, I think it's 16 or 17 games up in the season. So both of these teams likely to be eliminated within the next, you know, three or four days. Um, Brewers then sit at two and a half games back. So an eight game jump between fourth and fifth here. Um, Brewers two and a half games back fighting for that third wild card spot where the Phillies are holding it currently at even. Uh, the Padres are a half game up on the Phillies right now and the Braves hold the one spot likely to be clinched within the next couple of games at 11 and a half ahead of the, ahead of the Phillies holding that one spot again. Um, You know, they should clinch this in the next few days. They've all but won it. They're more concerned with winning the division at this point. Um, You know, again, a little less competitive at the top and a little less competitive throughout than the American league, but still nonetheless going to be really a, a three team race for the two through four spots here. Um, I think it's really going to come down to the wire too. I mean, we got to, three full games separating uh, the two through four. So should be, should be good here. Obviously none of these teams um, have been dominant all year, but definitely have the personnel and the rosters too, all three of them to make postseason runs, especially the Padres look at the star power that they have. So should be interesting. Should be a really fun storyline to follow as they finish these last, you know, 16 to 18 games here this season. Um, building a really fun season to cover. I think there's been a lot of ups and downs. Obviously we've seen some historic starts and some historic finishes um, a lot of a lot of streaks, a lot of skids, um, some incredible play. I mean, we've obviously seen Aaron Judge on the chase for 62 and Albert Pujols in the chase for, for 700 homers. So I think both those guys get to those marks. I think Albert's at 698 right now. He needs two more homers and Judge is, at, I think, 60 right now. So, again, two more homers for him. So definitely cool to see all this this history going down. Obviously, Otani having another historic year. Um, and just look across baseball, there's a lot of guys – having a really good season. So, um, you know, it's been a really fun season to cover so far and looking forward to see that wrap up here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, no, uh, fairly competitive season across the majors and the playoffs should be, you know, just as competitive, should be a lot of fun and looking forward to see how that shakes out as anything can happen. Any game really is the games just mean a lot more when you get to the playoffs, uh, whether it's a five or seven game series. Should be interesting. And you can't really expect anything to go how it's supposed to, Um, you know, that happens in a lot of sports, but, you know, in games that there's series uh, could definitely happen if the team's hot or cold, uh, they could run away with that series.
1: Yeah. I think baseball is really a sport where, I mean, anybody can beat anybody. I think we've seen, you know, I believe the Cubs went out and swept the Mets in a four game set a few, a few games ago. I think the Dodgers have, Um, they they lost and they only, they played the pot, the Pirates seven times, only won one time this year. It was all early, but still um, just, just an example of, you know, two of the best teams in baseball losing to two of the worst teams in baseball over, over a season stretch. So, um, and it really is true. I I think, you know, any of these teams, uh, whether you're the last wildcard team in or you're the, you're the number one seed overall, you, they, every team has a shot to win the the world series. Obviously there's going to be favorites and teams that have higher odds and higher likelihoods of winning. But I think we've seen, Um, You know, the last few years, uh, you know, we got to the the postseason 2019, even going back to 2018 when the Red Sox won, they were the hottest team in in baseball at the time. And then the Nationals came in and they they won in 2019. They were the hottest team in baseball at the time um, with their historic, historically bad start to winning the World Series. Um, You know, 2020, when we got to the shortened season, got to the postseason, the Dodgers were the hottest team in baseball. Um, And then you got to the the – postseason last year and the Braves the hottest in baseball and it's just how it was um you know they're playing really good baseball and then it winning the world series so that's typically what it is it's it's who can peak at the right time and, and whose players can step up when it matters in the big games I think um you know pitchers always pitch better batters always bat better batting averages always go up for some guys and some guys that they, they fall you know it's it really is um you see the the extreme ends of guys games um for both pitchers and batters. So some pitchers implode and have super high ERAs and some batters have crazy high averages and some have crazy low averages because they can't hit with the pressure. or You know, some guys just naturally perform well there. So it uh, should be really fun to cover. I think it's going to be really interesting to follow the postseason. Obviously, it's going to be, you know, nobody really knows what's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. I love postseason baseball. I think it's always you know, one of the most exciting postseasons there is. Um, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um that's pretty much it we got for baseball, right? Um yeah, I think
1: that's everything for baseball. I guess really no news this week. Um everyone's pretty much healthy. Scherzer's back, not much injury news to cover. So I guess we'll jump into, into the NBA, which is only one thing um with injury news. So Celtic's big man Robert Williams will miss four to six weeks after under or after undergoing lapar- laparoscopic surgery on his left knee just to do a little cleanup. I think he's it's just basically a knee scope. Um, probably a meniscus cleanup. Nothing serious. Um, surgery is scheduled for later this week. It's Tuesday right now. So probably gonna happen, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one of those days this week. Um should be back right after opening opening game, op- the opening week, I think. Uh first week of NBA. I think first NBA game is December 18th, right? Or December or October 18th. Is October that what it is? 18th, yeah. October 18th, 18th. So he should be back a couple weeks after the opening game. Um, obviously, you're gonna miss him. He had a great postseason run for the Celtics, but uh, gonna be back for most of the season. So Not likely going to miss him the whole season.
0: Yeah. You know, he's a real impactful guy. I think one of the more slept on uh, centers in the league, Uh, really strong finish to the year last season. Like you said, Uh, we're going to wrap up today's episode with the ice bath. We each got one for y'all and mine's uh, pretty prevalent. If you're a fan of Texas tech and you probably know about this already, Uh, but, Barstool Sports employee, Dana Bari, uh, Dana Beers, better known. He realized this past summer that he did not have a specific college team that he followed or that he uh, so rooted for. He then made a huge list of colleges that he was interested in. I think it was around 30 or so. And he has since cut the list down to five. Uh, So taking the full on uh, recruit approach. And those five include Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, South Carolina, and Cincinnati. And he is now turning this into a full recruiting trip with him planning to visit the top five, each of them, along with a few other schools just for fun. He plans to visit Texas Tech first, and he will be in Lubbock this weekend for the football game versus Texas, which is sold out. A big development in the story, though, as he announced the tour today is that he will? He also invited his friend and barstool legend, Glenn Medoro, better known as Glennie Balls, along for the ride. Uh, so the two of them will be spending the weekend in Lubbock, and he currently plans to pick his school of the future, uh, the school he wants to root for, on November 21st. So two very electric uh, social media personalities will be making the stop here in Lubbock. I don't know if there's going to be any kind of event or uh, recognition or whatever at the game. I don't know where they're going to be sitting or what they're going to be doing, uh, but I guess we'll figure that out come Saturday. Uh, the game's at two thirty on ESPN. Should be fun. Uh, I think UT's favored by six and a half currently, but we'll we'll discuss that more on Friday. Uh, but yeah, Dana Beers, uh, big time Twitter guy, and you know one of Barstool Sports' more popular employees. Um, but yeah, it should be fun to see who he picks. I think, you know, Tech's right up there at the top in most of his recruiting rankings, and it'll be fun to see how the official visits either, you know, have him maintain or adjust his rankings.
1: Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know if I like us having the first OV. I think it's going to bode against us having the first official visit. I think, I don't remember who's his, I think South Carolina is his last one or Cincinnati. One of those two, I think, is going to end up winning um, with the last official visit. So, um you know hopefully we put on a good showing this week I hope hopefully we pull the upset I don't, I don't know what the line is I think it's six and a half in favor of Texas right now I think the line's only gone up don't you get opened at like five and a half and it's gone up to six and a half so clearly betters are favoring the Longhorns after a great showing against Alabama a couple weeks ago um and then a poor showing from the Texas Tech offense this past weekend against North Carolina State so um yeah I'm, I'm a little bit optimistic I'm hoping you know, obviously, the Texas quarterback room is a little banged up between, obviously, years of playing and Hudson Cards still hurt, so or not uh, they still said, hurt, but banged up.
0: They said Quinn could possibly be back.
1: No way he's back this week. They said it's a possibility, no yeah. Uh, if I guess we'll hit on it now real quick. If I'm the University of Texas, as good as Quinn looked against Bama, I'm not rushing him back. I think I'm uh, going to bet on my defense to be better than North Carolina State's defense against Texas Tech, and I'm going to hope that – my veteran defense doesn't get overwhelmed by the environment in Lubbock, and I'm hoping that I'm also going to bet on the best player on the field, who's going to be the best player on the field in almost every single game they play, aside from the Alabama game. Is Bijan Robinson? I'm going to bet on that guy. I'm going to bet on five to the carry my offense and you know get it done. So I think it'll be a good game. I think it's going to be tight. I'm hoping I'm looking for atmosphere is going to be awesome. We're going to both going to be there. I'm excited for it. It's red out. So hopefully it's good. I wish it was a night game, of course, but uh, nonetheless, 2.30 kickoff, going to be electric. It sold out today, by the way. Uh, they announced earlier today that it sold out, so should be a great environment. should be absolutely electric. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully we keep it close. Hopefully it's tight. I hope for a good game, but, um, you know, we'll see. But I'll get into my last, my ice bath today. Um, every mid-September, the LA Dodgers do a team dress-up slash costume night to boost team morale in the dog days of September. Obviously, right around now, um, you know the middle of September is always tough for baseball players. You know, just it, there's not a lot going on. Um, you know, you're kind of trudging through the end of the season um, with about a month left in sight. So um, they always do this. They, they they do instead of rookie hazing. So they usually do um, you know right around first first or second week of, week of September. It's always on a travel day. So they always go on the plane in it and they they board and to get off the plane um, in the costumes. It's always a huge success. There's always some really good costumes this year. Notably starting pitcher, Tony Gonzalez, Tony Gonsolin and reliever Alex Vesia dressed up as the superhero tandem of merman and barnacle boy from SpongeBob. That was one of my favorites. Uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman dressed up as Tiger Woods and Tiger's old caddy, Steve Williams. That was another popular one that apparently some Padres fans felt offended for Tiger because it was like a, a poor representation of him. I don't know. Um, I thought, I thought it was stupid. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, uh, Clayton Kershaw dressed up as Maverick from Top Gun with his with fellow starter Tyler Anderson going as Goose. Um, another one that was pretty good was Justin Turner, Joey Gallo, Andre Jackson, who's a rookie pitcher, and Cody Bellinger all went as the Chippendales, which is like, I believe, a male stripper group um, from some movie. Uh, Bellinger and, and and Turner both had like muscle shirts on, but Joey Gallo just went straight raw shirtless. Uh, dude is absolutely jacked. I had no idea how incredibly strong and just huge joey as i know he was like 6'5 but i know how cut up this dude was i mean it's it's pretty impressive um but i think the costume of the night no question costume i mean maybe of the last few years uh first year dodgers starting a picture, andrew haney who dressed up as little sweet from the dr pepper commercials if anyone's seen him um if we were recording this putting on youtube i'd put up i put up a graphic of little sweet and then I put up the picture of Andrew. Haney. I mean, he nailed it. He looks great. He had the wig on the full get up. Um, definitely the best costume I've ever seen from, from this. There's been some really good ones over the years. Um, I think uh, Dustin May's rookie. He dressed up as Pennywise, the clown, for those, for those that don't know, Dustin may has this massive ginger uh, head of hair. So that was pretty good. But I think this one tops it. I think Andrew Haney doing a little sweet was pretty funny. I'm not sure why he did it. Um, Maybe it's because he he's a new guy, but he's, he's he's been around the league for a while. So, um, I don't know if it was like a rookie hazing type thing, but definitely a good one to see. Um, definitely my favorite, but always a good time. Pretty, some pretty funny ones. Um, just just a good thing for, for morale boost. It's always fun for the fans. Um, again, they do it, like I said, around this time every September. Just a little morale boost for the team as they're kind of trudging through the end of the season here.
0: Yeah, it's pretty funny there. Uh, you know, all the guys coming through with some pretty strong costumes um the Orioles I don't think any like many other teams do things like this um they do a few different things but in terms of costume days uh and the Dodgers I don't know if any other teams pretty good pretty good costumes though uh you know Tiger and his caddy uh Maverick and Goose pretty solid um probably say either of those are probably my favorite uh, a little sweet, a little interesting, uh, depending on you know what kind of stuff how
1: spot on it was and what kind of stuff he used oh he, oh, he oh he nailed it. I mean he nailed it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I sent it to you. I'm gonna find it on Twitter right now and send it to you. I mean he absolutely crushed this outfit. Um I've never seen anyone dress up as a little sweet before, but it was uh certainly the best, best one of the night. Definitely a little
0: interesting. Uh it wouldn't have crossed my mind really. Um and if you nail it, then you nail it. Um, that's pretty funny to see there, though. And, you know, these guys just having fun with it as the season winds down, getting ready for postseason play. Uh, but that'll wrap up episode 30 here on the Cold Sea podcast, episode 31. And our Friday football special will be coming at y'all in three days. We're going to recap last week's picks that we did not discuss and then talk about this upcoming weekend's picks as conference play starts for a few different conferences. be fun to talk about and we're also going to do an NFL recap and NFL picks along with some news. Uh, We had a few injuries, a few major, a few minor, uh, but nonetheless injuries to talk about. And that will all be discussed on episode thirty one. And follow us on the socials on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you on a few days. See y'all later.